Welcome to the University of Adversity, where the only rules of the class is to hold your head up high and keep moving forward. Because when the going gets tough, the tough get going. And now, here's your host, Lance Isios. What's up? What's up, everybody? How are we doing? Welcome back to the show. Today's guest was a fun conversation. So he grew up in a rough area in the ghetto. He gets deep into his story of growing up in a, in a rough neighborhood, crime and all that. But how he was able to turn his life around was really quite impressive because a lot of times people go through these, these hard times when they're growing up and they could go one way or the other, right? And it always fascinates me how people decide to get out of that hard situation. Travail Lynch joins us today. He's an author of the book, What is Enough? He has a um, YouTube channel, Self-Worth, Self-Worth Secrets, and he's known as I Am The Possible. So I Am The Possible, we get into what that means. We talk about programming and why these kind of things and affirmations and spirituality and religion and all the stuff that he's into. Some people are more religious, some people are more spiritual, whatever it is, I accept everybody and I love it. And he gets into what, what he believes, which is awesome. He's doing some great things. Um, he's got great content on social media, really inspiring conversation. Travail Lynch coming right up, everybody. Javale, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> I'm great. How are you today? Good, man. Really good. Good, man. Good to hear it. Yeah, it's been a good day. I've been uh, chatting with some amazing people, man. <laughs> awesome, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds like they've been chatting with an amazing person. Ah, oh, thanks, man. Yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, it's a it's a fun ride. It's yeah, ride, right. I can so, imagine, man. Right? Yeah, like you're putting out some awesome content too, man. I really like what you're up to. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, man. Oh, appreciate it, man. Anytime. Thanks for having me. <laughs> I love it, man. You, um, I really like your energy in some of your videos and okay. I can't wait to kind of guide everybody to your, to your Instagram and what you're oh, up cool, to. Man. It's, Thank um, you. it's, it's really, I like it because I can appreciate, it's not easy to make videos. It's not easy to show up every day. And that's something that I've recognized in my own business that I don't do enough videos. So when I see somebody doing videos and doing it consistently, I, I, I like that and I, I appreciate it. So well done on that, man. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, and before we get into what you're up to and all the amazing things, give us a bit of backstory, man. Tell us, how'd you get into all this stuff? You know, you, you, you're an author. You got a YouTube channel. You're you're spreading the love. You know, <laughs> I, I am possible. Like, tell us yeah. a, tell us a backstory, man. Awesome, man. Thank you. Um, yeah, I I share out of uh, much much adversity. Uh, so that's why one of the things that I really loved about um, just your podcast and your platform, man, it's this idea of learning from our adversity, this university of adversity, um, and that's really been the story of my life. Um, I like to really point out three sort of key points in my, you know, in my upbringing, because I'm, uh, I really believe really that a lot of our conditioning and programming and some of the things that really tear at the fabric of our self-worth, one of the things that I um, really specialize in, I really see that being attacked early on. So 
Um, my story, typical, <laughs> um, growing up in the hood, as we say, man, um, when I looked to my parents, my father was not in my life. Uh, my mother, uh, for as long as I could remember, uh, drugs, alcohol, addiction. Um, and then, you know, growing up with my grandmother, you know, she could only do so much in terms of protecting me in those early years. And so um, at around the age of seven, I went from being this little skinny kid, maybe weighing maybe 90 pounds soaking wet to just all of a sudden, man, gaining tons of weight. Um, and so I became the fat kid in the neighborhood, the guy that was bullied and picked on early on. Um, around the third or fourth grade, again, some of these things just come out of nowhere, man. But I was speaking well as long as I could, you know, understand it. But at some point, I began to stutter. And so, you know, growing up in, you know, in school, uh, being the one that the teacher would call on, I feared, you know, ever talking out loud or speaking out loud because, again, the kids would bully and pick on you and so forth. Um, and, you know, they picked on me, you know, because of my parents as well. Um, and so in those earlier years, man, being the overweight kid, being the stuttering kid, being the, you know, your mother's a crackhead, you know, being the, your father's not around, um, all, all of those things weighed heavy on me and really, you know, helped to shape this idea that I wasn't worth anything. You know, one of the things that I like to say is that I preach self-value because I know what it means to not have any. So from, you know, around the age of seven or eight, man, I just really began to develop a mindset around my self-image that I'm worthless, I'm no good, doesn't matter, uh, whatever happens to me, happens to me. Um, and so that moved us forward to two of the bigger points as I got a little older um, that I always like to share with people is when I was 18, I actually got a free ride to college, community college, my grandmother, um, whatever the, the uh, financial aid was, uh, but it allowed me to go to college for free. Mm. But at that point, I really began to get into smoking marijuana, opium, um, drinking, uh, because again, it was like I was in this place, man, where life didn't matter. I didn't matter. So even though I was physically in college, mentally, I was not there. And so I remember it was a Saturday morning. I had just gotten uh, home from somewhere. I don't really recall where I was. But my grandmother came down the steps on the porch of where we lived, and she had a letter in her hand. And she said, Travell, you're not going to school. And I said, well, no, I'm, I'm going to school. She said, well, no, what I mean is you're not doing anything. You're there, but you're not producing anything, and they've taken notice. So in short, she said, you know, based on this letter, you got two choices. You can either stay with me and go to college, get an education, do something with your life, man. or you got to go. And, you know, God bless my grandmother, man. It was, it, was the, it was the best day of my life and the worst day of my life because I told her, you know what, I'm going to go. And sure enough, seven days later, um, I remember it like yesterday, my clothing was in garbage bags on the front porch. And she loved me, man. She really did love me. But she understood that as a young man, I was going to have to make some decisions about the course of my life. So um, at that point, the next two years, I became this house hopping, homeless, um, <laughs> just nomad, man, sleeping wherever I could. Um, I always share that my, that my T-shirt was my pillow because I was sleep and, you know, I would sleep on my homeboy's floor. I would sleep in the back of cars, over girls' houses, wherever I could stay. And at my lowest point, I was in this roach-infested apartment where I'm talking roach-infested to the point where they crawled on you. 
Oh, um, I mean, it was, it was, it was sickening as I look back, like over the years, as I look back, I was like, wow, that really said how much I thought of myself. I would sleep on these roach-infested floors and I would just take my shirt off at night and roll them up. And my t-shirt was my pillow. Um, and I remember a year after that, I was 18 then, a year after that, I was, um, cause again, I was smoking marijuana, man, I was addicted to it. And I found myself, um, I had just purchased an ounce of marijuana back in those days. I don't know what marijuana costs now cause I don't smoke it. But back in those days, uh, it was $120. And I write about this in my new book, um, that, you know, I purchased this bag of marijuana for 120 bucks and I was set up by some guys in, in the, you know, in the, in the uh, neighborhood that, that I was in. Um, that was a normal thing where people robbed you and kind of get you set up for some stuff. Um, but anyway, man, um, I'm in the backseat of a car and I'm driving home. So I thought, and the driver said, Hey man, I gotta, I gotta take a leak. I said, okay, fine. You know, do whatever you gotta do. Um, and so he pulls into this alleyway and he stops the car, jumps out of the car. He runs between the houses. Soon as the driver runs between these houses, two guys come out, purple rags over their mouths. And my, I'm, I'm sitting in the back seat. It's the summertime. So my window is rolled down. The guy puts a gun to my head and he says, give me, you know, I won't repeat exactly what he said, but he yeah. said, give me, give me what you got. Give me your stuff. Um, and I told him no. And then he went on again and, and he really started to press the gun up against my temple. And he says, give me your, give me, you know, give me what you got. And I said, him, no, no. And the third time that he asked me, I told him no. And um, I heard a sound that I will never forget, man. I heard, I don't know if you've ever had a gun put to your head before, mm -hmm. uh, let, let alone had the trigger pulled back, but there's a hammer in that gun. That's a metal hammer that when it's, when it's, when it's released, it does this pow. Yeah. And hey, man, say it was a miracle, God, divine intervention. I have a purpose, so I'm still here. Like, however you want to name it and frame it, man, the bullet didn't come out. Wow. And, and I always look back at that story because growing up in the hood, homies don't let you know that their gun isn't loaded. If he just wasn't going to rob me, he would have just ran away. But because I carried a gun and, you know, it was just normal process to carry a gun. He's not going to let me know that his gun's not loaded. So I believe with everything in me, man, that day, that gun was loaded. And for whatever reason, that bullet didn't come out. Um, but wow. he pulled the trigger. He intended to kill me. And, you know, I intended to give up my life. And so anyway, he ran off, man, long story short. As I look back at that moment and, and the reason that I share those stories particularly and why I share that last story particularly is because now looking back at it, it wasn't so much that I was this guy that was willing to uh, stand up or I was so brave or I was so, you know, about that life as I put it back in those days. As a 19 year old, I took pride in the fact that I didn't give up what I got, you know. Um, but as, as I look back at it, I say, man, that must have really meant that I was completely worthless to me. Because for a $120 bag of weed, the truth is, all you're gonna do is smoke it. And when I look back at that, I said, man, all, all I was gonna ever do was smoke that weed, man. Yeah. And, and, and that's exactly what I did. I smoked it within a couple of hours and it was gone, but I was willing to give my life for something that I knew in a matter of hours where it, it was gonna be gone and, and I would have to purchase some more. I could have easily just handed it to the guy 
and he would have ran off like he did. But the fact that I had a gun put to my head and I was willing to die for something that cost me $120, I'm like, wow, man, I, I had no value, no, no self-worth. Um, and so that's why I do what I do today, because I know that I was not the only one and I am not the only one today that, have, have, that has gotten to a point in their lives where they're so down on themselves that they're willing to give their lives up for, for virtually anything. Wow, man. So what, where did you grow up exactly? Where, what city? Um, yeah, I was born in Chicago, okay. uh, Illinois, but I moved to uh, Toledo, Ohio when I was seven. Okay. So my grandmother moved us out there. Yeah. So the Midwest. So you're growing up in a bit of a rough neighborhood. It's well, 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 well let me clarify. Grandma didn't move us to a rough neighborhood. She moved us to a, eh, it's an okay type yeah. of situation. Okay. But I gravitated toward the rough right. neighborhood. Yeah, right. like where I hung out, yeah, people died regularly. I'm just yeah. trying to get a visual picture here. Okay, so, wow, man. I mean, that's a powerful story. So a lot of people in your situation would have went the other way right? They wouldn't have, what was the, th like, why do you think it was because you had such a loving grandma and you instilled such values and that you got to go to school that you, or like, what, what was the reason? Why did you, why were you any different? Why did you go on the right path? Like why instead of the wrong path? I always love to find out like it's such a, it's such a small window, right? Mm -hmm. You have, it's all comes down to choices. Our life is about choices. Like That's what right. choices did you make and why? What was that? What was the thing that allowed you to go in that other direction instead of down into more trouble and more shit? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Great question, man. So, um, actually, I didn't stop on my own. Um, after that, so I was 19 then. So, after that incident, um, I continued to run the streets, man. Uh, you know, again, I, I, I was down on myself, but I took a lot of pride in this, in this false ego, right? This, you know, I'm from the hood, I'm tough, you know, whatever, yeah. whatever. Um, and so I continued the life of, you know, running the streets, man, robbing people, robbing stores. Um, uh, you know, if I got caught for half the stuff that I did, I, I would, I would still be in jail today. You yeah. know, let's be honest. Um, but where it all turned around was my wife of today was my girlfriend then, but, um, uh, she was, she was pregnant with our first son and, um, I don't recall how many months pregnant she was, but. Um, I found myself after doing um, a robbery, man, where in the state of Ohio, that was grand theft. So I would have done 15 with good behavior, maybe seven years. And so I got caught and I'm in jail and um, they catch me on like a Thursday or Friday. And so I don't see the judge until Monday. And so I had a couple of days to really sit on this. And then, like you said, about decisions, I had some time to kind of contemplate and think like, okay, where is my life going? What's, what's, what's happening? Because being locked up in that little six by nine, I finally got a chance to think. Now I still wasn't thinking straight, but at least I had some time to just kind of cool the engines and just kind of, okay, what's, what's really happening? I got a girlfriend, she's pregnant, what's going on? So uh, come Sunday morning, Sunday morning, um, and I, I didn't know this cause I had gone to jail several times, but for whatever reason, Sunday morning, the bailiff comes down the hall and he says to us, anyone who wants to get out, we have Sunday morning church service. You, you know, you can get out yourself like an hour. I said, Hey man, cool. I'll take it. Cause I just wanted to get out of that cell. 
Long story short, we go down this hall, man. We go into this little room. Maybe it's about eight or nine guys in the room. Um, there's two or three um, little ladies up front. And, and you know, they're, they're, they're either teaching about uh, God or they're preaching, but they're sharing something. I don't really recall what it was because I was just in a, in a real bad state. But I remember them telling me a story about the love of Jesus. And I remember them telling me, if you want your life to change, if you want something different, if you want something better, then um, raise your hand. And prior to them asking us to raise our hand, they had us put our heads down on these metal tables. So they said, raise your hand. And I always tell this story, I had no, I felt like I had no control over my hand that day. I mean, as soon as they said, just raise your hand, my hand flew up like it had no control of its own. When, I, when my hand, you know, went up in the air, they brought me down to the front, they said a prayer over me. And um, it was from that moment on that I at least began to consider that my life had value. Um, my, I had a cousin that had a lawyer friend, he came to my rescue on that Monday, we went before the judge um, and they struck a deal, man. They said, listen, if you confess to this, the, the person that you robbed, they'll make a deal with you. We're, we'll, we'll, we will iron it all out. We'll get it off your record. We'll clear the slate. I made the deal after much, like probably about two or three conversations. Cause at first I was denying it. No, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. And then they said, listen, man, if you did this, we need to come clean so we can work it out. No, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. On the third conversation, I said, you know what? I got this baby. I don't want to be like my dad. Okay, okay, let, let's, let's, let's work something out. Wow. Um, so they got me out. I did what I had to do to pay back all the money because they made me pay back every penny. So I found a job at like McDonald's or something, um, started paying back the money. Um, but, my, but, but the decision started at that point huh. was, was when I um, received that prayer. And um, as far as I understood, I was becoming a Christian and I was giving my life to God. Um, and my cousin came, who was a youth pastor at that time. Um, he got me into the church and, uh, I began serving in the church and just going to church. Still didn't really know a lot about what I was doing or a lot about God or Jesus or anything like that. Um, but my life began to change once I said that prayer. And so I, I always tell people whether they're on the religious side or not the religious side, all I can tell you is my testimony. And, and all I can share with you is my story. Something changed in me that day when I said that prayer. Wow, man. <laughs> That's all you know. Powerful. So, yeah, I mean, and it's, it's funny because there's certain people have that realization and it comes in different ways, whether you believe in God or the universe or Buddha or whatever it may be. Uh -huh. Some, you know, it's everybody's on a different journey, different path. And it's really, it's amazing how I find it fascinating how some it clicks and then they move on to greater, better things and some click and they go the other way. Right. And, and all of us, including myself, including you, most, all, most listeners, there, there's that crossroad where like there's those decisions that you could have made that would have really went the other way. Oh, and, wow. yes. But a combination as well of having a bit of faith and a little bit of, I don't want to say luck, but I think luck is coming <laughs> to, luck is coming to me just because in a case like yours, like what if um, they said, 
no, like there's no deal here. You're done for a while. Like, you know what I mean? There's like, and then who knows what would have happened. So (laughs) it's that, it's that, it's that point. And okay. So you, you took, you took that opportunity, that a bit of awakening and you ran with it. Now I wanted to ask you, you talk about Mm self-worth, right? What is self-worth? What is it? What is it? What is somebody? Because there's a lot of, it's, you know, a lot of words, a lot of statements get thrown around out there. But for you, someone says to you, Travail, I need more self-worth. What is it? Like, how would you define it? Yeah. It's an appreciation of one's capacity to contribute to the betterment of our society. That would be my definition. Now, I love those questions because it's left up to interpretation, right? right. Um, so I don't like to try to say, if you don't believe in my definition, then you're wrong. No, it's, it's just, it's, we frame it however we frame it. So if someone asks me that question, it's this appreciation um, because I love words. So mm-hmm. I understand that an appreciation is, to, is the ability to see um, and to really recognize and to acknowledge the value of something. So, I, so when I help people with this, with this concept of self-worth, it's learning to really acknowledge and to recognize your capacity, because we all have a capacity, to contribute. Because one of the things that I, I, I like to teach people and help, you know, help people to kind of come to, to, the, to the realization of is that we were not only created to make a contribution, but we were created to be a contribution. And so we have a capacity to contribute ourselves, literally ourselves, toward the betterment of our society. So our society would not be as great as it is if Lance didn't exist. Like you in and of yourself. Now you have gifts, talents, and and, and you can contribute things to the world. But you in and of yourself, our world would not be the same if you did not show up on the scene. And so Self-worth is understanding this is not being cocky, this is not being arrogant, this is not being big-headed. This is simply an appreciation. Wait a minute, hey, I, in and of myself, I bring something to the world. The world needs me. I'm not just here because I'm, no, no, you, the world, you need me. I am vital to this world. So it's understanding that and really appreciating that and then finding ways to not only articulate that, but then to to really contribute that on on a consistent basis. Yeah, that self-appreciation that you matter because we do. And and if you hold back, you're actually starving people of your gifts because we all have those gifts, you know, and somebody needs what we have out there. And yeah, that, 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 I know what you mean. It's like not cockiness, not like, it's just like being you and owning it. Like this is me and, 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 and I matter in this world. I'm going to make a difference, you know? And no, that's, it's super important. And it's just a lot of people. I've talked to a lot of people on here, man. And there's just so many, so many people with blocks and problems with the conversations they have with themselves that they're not enough. And that's what it comes down to in the stories that they teach themselves over the years because of programming, because of environment, because of there's right but and we get programmed to think that because your parents were this way or because of your environment like that then that's what we're going to be like and that's just not the case no there's ways to evolve there's ways to change and the amazing thing is that everybody has a different a different way of doing that right that's right so okay i want to hear about kind of like 
I like, I like the words that you use, like I am possible. Talk us about I am possible because I, I love it. It's, it's, it's like, a, it's an affirmation. Yeah. I love the affirmations, yeah. but like, what does that mean, man? What does that? Yeah. I am, I am the possible. Um, and that's important. Oh yeah. I am the possible. Sorry. Yeah. It's very important that we put the the in uh, there. Yeah. I am the possible. The possible. Yeah. yeah. Um, I am the possible came from, it has a lot of deep roots. Um, so if any listeners are listening from a biblical perspective that know anything about the Bible, there's a man in the Bible named Gideon. And uh, this comes out of uh, Judges uh, chapter six. So long story short, Gideon was um, a child born into a family of the Israelites who were considered the least of the people, like the gutter, gutter people, right? And, and, and Gideon was like the runt of that clan, right? So it's like your family is the worst family possible, right? Putting it into like modern context. Your family is the worst on the block. And now you, you're the, you're the wimpiest, smallest of that clan. Okay, so that's kind of that, the whole backdrop. So there comes a time where it's wartime and there's people that are coming against the Israelites um, and they're hiding out and uh, the angel of God comes to Gideon and he says, um, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And he addresses him as something that he's not currently embodying. He says, God is with you, you mighty warrior. And once, once I read that and I looked at the way that that story panned out, right? So this is, you know, biblical, this is faith-based. But as I look at that story, I looked at myself in an experience that I had when I first moved to Southern California. So Gideon, his, his perspective of himself was, I'm the smallest, I'm the least. Because he even replied back to the angel and said, well, how could you be considering me as this mighty warrior? My family is the worst and I'm the least of my family. So his perspective was, I'm the worst of the worst. We moved out here to Southern California in 2001 and I was given an opportunity to share a 15 minute message on the life of Jesus. I had never taught, I had never went to Bible study, never went to seminary, never went to, dropped out of college. Um, so I had no formal training. I shared a 15 minute message and the pastor at that time, he came, he comes up to me after I shared and he says, Travail, and, and, <laughs> and that's one of the things that I share. I say five words can literally change your life. Five words can literally change your entire world. He said, Travail, you are a teacher. And when he said those words, I didn't know really what he meant, but I don't know if you ever had a moment in your life where someone just said something to you and it just, it just hit home. You didn't even know how it hit home, where yeah. it came from, but it just rocked your world. And he yeah. says, you are a teacher. And then as I look at those two stories, Gideon, he saw himself as the worst of the worst, but yet this higher power, this higher being, right, says, no, I see you as this mighty warrior. Even though you don't see yourself as that, I see you as the mighty warrior. Well, here I am, this young guy just got out of jail, not even too many years removed from that whole experience, um, being fresh into the church, didn't know anything about spiritual gifts or anything. I have this, 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 this man of God, this, this big pastor telling me, I see something in you that maybe you don't even see, man, but this is what you are, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I share those two stories as backdrops to say, I am the possible, I am is a current state phrase. I am the possible, which is a future state phrase. 
right. or future tense. So I am current, my future. So this whole mantra goes, I and my possibilities are one and the same. Everything I hope to be tomorrow, I already am today. Yeah. So it, it's, it's, it's a revelation. It's a realization that what we desire, Lance, what we desire most often, that deep thing that we desire, that we want to see, that we project somewhere out in the future, we already are that. We, we are now, yet the only separation between what we are and our ability to, in a sense, walk in the truth of what we are is our beat down, corrupted, um, smeared perceptions of ourselves. And so um, just real quick, I, I Am The Possible was the result of me commuting on a bus for two years. Mm. I would get on this bus every single day, man, and I would see these people riding this bus. And I share this story because I have to tell it like it is. I know some people may not get it or may, may I don't know, may think I'm weird or something like that, but all I can do is share my story. I'm riding this bus for two years and I'm looking at these people. These are businessmen and women, mind you. We're, we're, we're all five, you know, five-figure earners, six-figure earners, but we're just commuting because out here in California, it's just easier to commute sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm watching these people's eyes every single day. For whatever reason, I'm just watching their eyes, and they're always looking down or looking away, but they're never looking back at me. And one day, it pops in my head just this term. I really wish I could like myself but not like this. And that's all I ever heard, man. I really want to like myself, but not like this. And the more I meditated, the more I contemplated, the more I just, the more I let that phrase work on my heart, man, I am the possible was birthed out of it because what I was understanding was people were prolonging, they were postponing what I like to call their personal prominence. Like I said earlier, you are needed in the world. You are absolutely vital to the world. You are needed. And so I saw these people postponing that. They weren't embracing that. They weren't living that. They, they didn't feel good about themselves because they were saying, I want to like myself, but not in my current state. And that's where the I am, current mm-hmm. state, and these possibilities that we want, you're that that's what you already are that's what you already are Gideon you're already a mighty warrior that's what you already are Travel. you're already a teacher mm. but we get separated like you talked yeah. about earlier that programming and that conditioning and that external you know you know us focusing on the conditions of the external our personal perceptions get really murky um and they're not as clear as they should be so mm. So I Am The Possible came from just a lot of that deep work and just a lot of that deep meditation uh, in those revelations, man. And so I, I know that's not conventional, but it, it, it's like a philosophy and a belief that just came from observing life. Man, it doesn't have to be conventional. That's, yeah. that's the beauty of it. There's, there's no rule book, man. You know, that's right. So, what are some things that you, because it's you know we got our our old programming and we want to go our our subconscious wants to pull us back to be safe, right? Like, what are some things on a daily basis that you do to stay primed or that you need to do 
in order to keep your mindset going or, you know, what are, what are some non-negotiables for you, man? What sets you up for a good day? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do believe in rituals. So um, I thank you for asking that question, man. Cause that's one of the things that I, I thoroughly believe in. Um, and it's funny that you asked that because I've last week or so I've, I've been in sort of a rut, right. To be honest, like sort of a, a low, some mm-hmm. things happened. Um, I forgot what I was watching the other day, but it was like, they were basically saying life is going to throw you a left hook <laughs> at some point, you know, let me start. as it always um, does. Right. Always does. Right. Always at, man. At some point. <laughs> and so how do you pick yourself back up? How do you get yourself back going? Um, I practice several things every morning. Um, I am a two time certified personal trainer. So I definitely believe in getting up three thirty, four 4 o'clock, um, be, before the birds start singing, man, before the sun cracks the sky and getting in some sort of um, physical training just to get the endorphins and, and just to get the body flowing and moving. I'm a, I'm a big um, advocate of motion creates motion. So if I just get my body moving, then I can also get my life moving. So motion creates motion. So physical training is definitely one of them, having a healthy body, having a, a healthy, well-organized uh, well and well-operating mind. Um, I also meditate, man. I also meditate. I saw some of your posts um, about meditation. So I'm- It's I, changed my life, man. It, it does. Oh my yeah. goodness, man. Meditation, deep breathing, man. Um, so yeah. <laughs> uh, every morning meditation, centering myself, um, I practice contemplation um, as a lifestyle and learning to not be dualistic and waking up kind of to each day saying um, yes to the day and yes to the experience of life versus trying to judge and uh, label everything and everyone as good or bad and yes and no and black and white. No, just life is an experience and i'm going to say yes to its experience today um so so you know contemplation is another one man i love that um yeah and so you know affirmations used to be a big part of it but i don't i don't do as many affirmations uh as i used to um because i am more into the meditation and and really just saying um yes to being still or i believe our world is so busy and so complicated um i practice being still so if so if i look at like a top five list meditation contemplation um you know and maybe that goes without saying but i i will say it as an act of faith i definitely pray every morning so you know i get with my creator and 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 i'm saying okay here we go again i'm your creation uh let's go let's get it so um spending time with my creator meditation contemplation um physical exercise um, and then the other one is, you know, and this is really to, to each his own, but there are certain books that I read and there's certain like motivational videos yeah. that, that I always put myself in front of just good quality people that I admire. And I say, man, what did they do and what are they doing to stay on top? And, and I just listen to them. Who are some of those just to top yeah. your head? Who, who, yeah, who's, yeah. Uh, I love Dwayne Johnson. Um, oh love, yeah, the rock. Just freaking. Oh man, he's, a freaking he's like my he's like dude. my number one man. Yeah, I like, like this guy. <laughs> he's like, dude, like the guy. Uh, I I just I just can't say enough about the guy, man. Like, he's just like, well, he played football 
in, yeah. in the CFL, like in Canada, where I'm from, like very close to where I grew up. And oh, cool. um, the cra- it's crazy to see him how he was not anything special back in the day. He was just a regular dude, man. He's yeah. literally just created this, this, now he's like the biggest <laughs> actor of like, he's got to be one of the biggest of all time. Like he's just oh, crazy. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt you there. I just, I no, love no, Rock, man. No, absolutely. I, I love him, that man. guy, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> absolutely. Like he inspires me. Like, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> who else other than the rock? Yeah. Um, and, and, and while, while I definitely love some of our classics, like our Jim Rome's our John Maxwell's, yeah. um, you know, you know, definitely love those guys who are just self-help self, self um development gurus but because of my personality type i i gravitate toward more artists um mm-hmm. so will smith is another one love love him because of his yeah. work ethic um denzel washington i love listening to his speeches because yeah. again that work ethic man um those are, are probably some of my top three um miles monroe uh from from a faith-based community perspective but all of these guys have that one common thread, man, which is a, 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 a relentless work ethic in that they find a way to just keep going. And I think I gravitate towards them because I understand that my biggest challenge, and this is just being completely transparent. So I love the fact that when you opened up, you, you, you talked about me putting out video content. Um, my biggest challenge is staying consistent. When I get gut punched, when, when I catch that left hook, don't go back in your cave and spend two or three weeks um, going through your ritual, going through your routines to kind of pick yourself back up. Right now, I think in this season of life and business and ministry, it's how can I take that left hook and still put out quality content and still connect with the people that need me and show up for them not not being phony or fake and not trying to suppress my feelings like being authentic but learning you can't just stop and start and stop and start because your world got rocked there's people that are looking to you um so that's that's the season that i'm learning right now i saw a post of yours that it says something to the effect of once you learn the lesson then it stops showing up yeah. Um, it's like, dude, that's the lesson that I'm learning right now. So I look to those guys because at least from the outside looking in, I mean, I, I don't know them personally, yeah. but they seem, but they seem pretty consistent. Well, they've, their, re, their, their results, look at their results, right? Like Will Smith, man, he, he's, I, I just couldn't agree with you more than those, those guys you picked because I listened to Will Smith talk about how he was with his brother and his dad, they wanted to, had to rebuild that. the the house or something and he was like you guys can and it was like all about the brick by brick yes you know just make sure you lay this brick perfectly Mm. and then you lay the next brick perfectly and before you know it you got this stack of bricks and it's just so powerful because you look at it and it's like so daunting with any challenge or anything and it's like oh man how is that even possible but (laughs) if you can just focus on that brick right there doing it perfect Mm, or not perfect but you know like doing your best not perfect doing your best to do to whatever you can do and i really love will smith for that and denzel as well he's just why i love them is because they're what they teach is they show they've they've done it you know they've 
they've they've they've they've done so much and they've inspired so many people and they were just regular people but you're right the relentless work ethic yeah everybody is capable of that but that's right not everybody's capable to get past the challenges and, 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 and hurdles. Right. And what you're saying about the videos, it really hit me because lately I've been in the same position as you. Like there'll be times where I'll be, I'll do lots of stories and I'll be really, and then lately I just haven't felt like doing as many Instagram stories or whatever, for whatever reason that may be. And you're right. You know, you, you, you gotta be able to show up and you just gotta be able to share that, the vulnerability, like to be able to be like, Hey, you know, I'm not feeling that great today, but you know, want to be able to show up and, and that's really key. But I think at the same time, the social media as well, from the other side, we can kind of feel this like pressure that we, you know, I don't know. It's like a fine line because we want to show up consistently, but then at the same time, I think it's okay if you need to back up a bit too, you know, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. because I mean, you're on I'll our agree. phones all day long. It's, it's <laughs> you're constantly, you know, you're doing stories, you're posting. It's like, man, it's draining sometimes. Right. But that's, that's the right. game we're in, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, um, so true. yeah, man, those videos, you're right. It's how you show up when you're, when you're feeling down is, is really what shows character. Yeah. Anybody can be when you're feeling great, you know, everybody's oh. good. Everything's, Oh man. Right. But how do you show up when like, you know, your back's up against the wall and you're feeling bummed out and you feel mm. like you got all these bad emails coming in. You got people coming at you. You're like, well, how do you show up? Right. And that's the <laughs> truth. That's where character shows up, man. That's right. <laughs> yeah. What, what about, talk about your book, man. What is enough? I want to, I want to dive into that a bit. Yeah. Um, what is enough? How to lighten your load and find what makes you happy. Um, this is a book, man, that, that came out of many years of, of my own personal testimony and my own personal struggle with feeling like um, not, not only what I'm doing is enough, but feeling like I am um, enough. Mm-hmm. And seeing that so many people that I've counseled, that I speak to, that I mentor um, for, I don't know how many years it's been, but I would say close to maybe four or five years, that's been the common theme. Now, when I'm counseling someone or speaking with someone, they may not understand it or they may not be able to articulate it, but I'm listening to them explain the fact through either marital problems, through financial problems, through you know, career choices. They're saying, I'm not enough for myself. I'm not enough for this other person. I'm not enough for this position. I'm just not enough. And so... I wanted to address this idea that going back to I am the possible going back to the bus. I wanted to address this belief system that says I have to do enough to then be enough. And that was the bottom line. That's, that's at the center. That's the epic center. Epic. What's it called? Epic uh, center of the, of the book. It's addressing this, this, this common idea that, I'm enough once I achieve enough, accumulate enough, accomplish enough. Once I do something external, then it will equate to internally, I'm then enough. Um, And so really, man, it's for the person that is, you know, struggling, who's crying at night, who's um, just constantly judging themselves and saying, listen, I didn't get the promotion. So 
because I didn't get the promotion, then I'm not enough. Or because I didn't get that girl, I'm not enough. Or because I didn't get that guy, I'm not enough. Or because I didn't achieve this or that, I'm not enough. Um, in the opening story, I'm sitting in a sauna because I spent a lot of time at the gym. And this, and this is what I, I tend to see be the case a lot of the times. We have, high, like, I'm a pretty high achiever. I see high achievers achieve so much. So I'm talking with this woman. She's a, I mean, phenomenal woman. She, she's, she's a real estate agent. She's, you know, she's, you know, selling houses left and right. She's got all these degrees and she's doing really well for herself. But she tells me that as soon as I get one more, I, I don't know what the real estate, um, you know, certification was, but she says, as soon as I get this certification, then I'll be able to brag to my family. And it really struck home for me because I was in the process of writing the book and she wasn't like chapter one to begin with. But once she shared this information with me, I said, okay, you, you're chapter one because you are exactly who I'm writing this book to. You've accomplished so much in your life. You're doing so phenomenal, yet for you, you're not enough. What's, what's going on inside? What, what, what's happening within you that you could externally have so much going on? Anyone else will be jealous from a distance. Anyone else will look at you and say, wow, look how great your, you know, your career is amazing. You know, you're wearing this big diamond ring. I mean, life is great, but inside you're waiting for one more thing. And in my history, the one more thing is never one more thing. I promise you, as soon as she got that certificate, man, she was going to find one more thing. Of course. And, and so that's who I write to, the person that's hanging on for one more thing. And it's a vicious cycle. You're, you're never going to, like I like to put it, we're trying to achieve an internal desire with a external demonstration. Yeah. I want to demonstrate to you guys how phenomenal I am because I know as soon as I do, then I'm going to be enough inside. And it just never works that way. Man, I've talked about this a lot and you just nailed it. And I love it because you just, that's, it all comes down to loving the journey. It's like, there's never going to be a finish line until <laughs> no. we die. And even when we die, that's a whole other, that's the beginning of something else. So that's right. See? It's not like anything's going to end. It's like, just enjoy that things are going to always, they're going to keep going. Things are going to keep coming. And you just got to understand that, like, be happy where you are. Embrace who you are, what you've accomplished, right? Yes, yes. Because that'll bring more. And just knowing that, you know what? I'm okay with the things that are coming, but I'm also okay with what I've achieved. Yes. I'm okay with me, but I know more is coming. I know I'm going to be challenged, right? Mm. And it's about celebrating the wins, letting it go, setting the intention for the future, and also letting that go because you can't get too hung up on a specific, specific outcome. No. You got to be able to adapt because, and then that's, that's life, right? That's the journey. Yeah. So when people understand and love the journey, and this has taken me a long time too. I mean, I'm 36. I've been trying to realize this for years. It's like those, those everyday challenges that come up. It's like, that's, that's what's helping you grow and live. If everything's yeah. super easy all the time, what do you, there's, you're going to, there's just nothing to grow from. So it's like loving that, loving the challenges and that they're not going away, you know? That's right. And it's like that one thing that you keep, that you're talking about, like when I, when I hit that, I'm going to be happy. When I get, <laughs> when I get that car, then I can, the Joneses are going to be happy. And then you get that thing and then it's like, 
oh, but I was told that that thing would give me this. And then you buy that thing and you save up for that thing. And you're like, wait a minute. I was told that this was going to, and then it's like a constant <laughs> until you go within and you figure out, well, what is the actual thing? And it comes down to you not thinking you're enough. That's and yeah, yeah. man. Yeah. yeah. That's a very good topic, man. I'm, I'm glad that you're, you explained it very well also. And I think just have giving people that realization a lot of times it's like light goes off and they go, oh, okay. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Learning to work. You know, I, I kind of the framework I try to help people to, to develop is learning to work from our worth and not uh-huh. work for our worth. Cause uh-huh. as long as you're working for something that you already have, see worth is what you already have. It's embedded in your very, I mean, you know, it's like worth is the DNA of humanity. It's your DNA. You can't even get away from it. So you are, you are worth, but you're working for something that you already have. And I say, how do you set yourself up for disappointment? You look for something that you already have because you'll never find it. You already have it. You're looking for yourself. And once you realize that you are what you're looking for, then everything else is just, you know, I mean, we're going to have ups and downs, man. But this idea in the book that I talk about when I talk about happiness, I right away get to what I mean by that. Because again, going back to the words of, you know, the way that we interpret different words, someone may look at that and say, well, that's the emotional happiness. So I think it's maybe chapter two, I, I, I go right in and say, hey, before we go any further, what, when I use the word happy, because that's one of those trigger words, because people can identify that very, very quickly. I just want to be happy. Oh, you know, how can I just be happy in life? That's very common, right? People can, People can understand that. But if I wrote on the cover how to become satisfied with yourself, people may scratch their heads like, what are you talking about? Mm -hmm. But everyone can identify with wanting to be happy. But I quickly explained that when I wrote that, that, that in the subtitle, when I wrote the word happy, happy means in this context to learn to be satisfied with oneself because Mm -hmm. that's really what I'm addressing when we, when we talk about being enough is like having a meal, um, you know, sitting down to a meal and, you know, you finish your plate and it's like, man, um, that, that, that wasn't enough. Like I, I need more. You're not fulfilled. You're still hungry. And I think that's what happens going back to your analogies. When I get the house, when I get the car, when the Joneses are happy, we play life. Like we, like we play sitting down, you know, with that meal, that meal, we eat it, we gobble it up, and we clean our plates, but we're still not satisfied because we're eating everything other than the one thing that we really wanted on the plate, and that was self. Yeah. And so, so yeah, it, it, it's happiness in this context, man, talks about being satisfied with, mm. with yourself that, because that's, that's really what you're looking for. In fact, that's the only, that's the only stable place um, that we can truly kind of plant our flag on. Because if you plan it on outcomes, those change. If yeah. we plan it on relationships, those change. If we plan it on our results, those change. If we plan it on our circumstances, our living conditions, all those things are subject to change. You know, you have to plant your happiness in a place that's never going to change. And, what's, and the only thing that I found that's never going to change is you. Mm-hmm. You're never going to change in and of what you are. Yeah. Not not you know not obviously not growing and not and, physical you know, but evolving. your soul yeah 
Right. Right. Or like, yeah, I know what you mean. Mm-hmm. Where, um, where can everybody find you, man? Uh, I am the possible. I don't care if you type it in the URL, if you type it in the hashtag, um, I am the possible. I am the possible.com is the official website. Um, I am the possible is also a registered hashtag. Um, and, and it's also the handle of all of my social media. So one, one word, one phrase across everything. Smart. I am the possible. <laughs> got it. It's tough these days to be able to lock down in all areas, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. tough <laughs> to be able yeah, to have that unique, you know, that unique, um, that's great. It's, it's awesome that you can do that. Cause it, yeah, it's tough to do. Yeah. I fought for that. Yeah. There's a whole nother episode to uh, my story trying to lock down that, <laughs> that, uh, trademark, man. But it was definitely, it was definitely mine. I, yeah. I can say that. I believe what's, what has your name on it. Some things in this world have, has your name on it yeah. and no one else can have it if you take action. So, uh, yeah. Awesome, man. <laughs> I am the possible, all right, let's uh, get into the final question here. Right. What, is adver- what is one lesson adversity has taught you? One lesson that adversity has taught me. It has taught me that I have unlimited, and when I say I, we, um, because a lot of people took the phrase, I am the possible early on as I talking about myself. But it's a... It's, it's a mantra, a phrase that is for whoever wants to embrace it. So it's not an I travail, it's an I us. But what I learned through adversity is that I, we have unlimited capacity to overcome. Our capacity is unlimited. Um, I was just speaking with my wife the other day and I said, what would be the basis for divorce? And I, I know that's a weird thing to bring up, but what would be the basis for divorce? And when we got deep down into that conversation, what we realized was there was no basis for divorce other than two people deciding I'm not going to grow. I'm, I'm, I'm just not going to grow. Because what I understood was the mind, the human mind has unlimited capacity to adapt and to overcome any problem that it's faced, you know, um, faced with. And so when I, I think about that, man, it, it's not, nothing really can overtake me. Is, is I have unlimited capacity to, to grow in the way I think about myself and the way that I grow uh, in the way that I think about the problem. Um, and for years, I've, I've always taught this idea. You're a thought away. Freedom is a thought away. Freedom is a thought away. I don't care what situation you're in. Freedom is a thought away. You can get out of any situation, out of any circumstance, out of any low, out of any depression with a single thought because that's what changes everything around. Amazing. Um, yeah. Amazing, man. Thank you so much for that. And thanks for joining us, man. Time flies as always. Right, right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I um, will make sure to link up everything for you all so we can check you out at I Am The Possible. And again, I just want to say thanks, man, for sharing your story. It's powerful. And Thank you. you're doing some amazing stuff. So mm-hmm. I uh, look forward to keeping, keeping an eye on you and watching your journey. Cool, man. Thanks, Scott. <laughs> really appreciate you, man. Thanks for having me. All right, everybody, we're going to have everything linked up. Make sure to check out I Am The Possible, Travail Lynch. Have an amazing day, everybody. Thanks, everybody. If you haven't already, hit that subscribe button. Share this with a friend. Share it with one friend right now. Just text the link to somebody. Share it on social media. Do something that makes an impact. You listening to this sparks 
an impact and then sharing it with somebody sparks a bigger impact. So I appreciate it. Check out Travail Lynch. Awesome guy. I am the possible follow him on Instagram and yeah, get his book too. What is enough? Love you guys. Have an amazing day. Catch you next time.